Hello and welcome. Greetings to one and all. My name is Tishin, and I welcome you to this special presentation of Spiritual Sunday, a spiritual Thanksgiving. I wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving from my heart, my home, and my family to yours, wherever you are and wherever you may be. As always, feel free to check out all the information you need to know about Spiritual Sunday, about how to connect with me, uh, sending a prayer request, and other professional activities I do uh, in the description box below or wherever you may be viewing this. There's information to let you know about everything that has to do with myself and the Spiritual Sunday community. But most importantly, I do want to take out time to point out specifically that if you have a prayer request, please feel free to make that known in the comments section. And also, if you would like to send that uh, to me, you can via email to spiritualsundaywithtishin at gmail.com. And now we'll have a moment of prayer. So wherever you are, and in whatever way is most comfortable for you. Let us pray. Gracious God, we take out this opportunity on a day observed in the American calendar to give thanks, to do something that we ought to do every day, to say thank you. At times, we may not really take stock of how blessed we are, but we come to say thank you because you have been good to us all day long, each and every day. And so wherever we are in our life today, and in how, and how we celebrate this holiday in whatever way we choose to celebrate it. Let us be thankful for what we have present before us. Let us be thankful for the future that is ahead of us. And let us be thankful for the chapters in which we have completed that are behind us. May we receive with joy and love all that comes with this day. And may we give to others what you give to us. The love, the joy, the peace, the compassion, the abundance, all the good things that flow from heaven above. May we be the conduit that shows and shares those heavenly attributes to the greater human family at large, not just today, but choosing to do so every day going forward. This we humbly ask in the name of God, the Creator, the Christ, and the Comforter. Amen. Our scripture reading will come from a story in the Gospel according to St. Mark. I will read for your hearing the 8th chapter. It is my hope that this passage of scripture will add to your inspiration and your edification. As always, I'm reading from the World English Bible. In those days, when there was a very great multitude, and they had nothing to eat, 
Jesus called his disciples to himself and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have stayed with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away fasting to their homes, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come a long way. His disciples answered him, From where could one satisfy these people with bread here in a deserted place? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, having given thanks he broke them and gave them to his disciples to serve, and they served the multitude. They had a few small fish. Having blessed them, he said to serve these also. They ate and were filled. They took up seven baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Those who had eaten were about 4,000. Then he sent them away. Immediately he entered into the boat with his disciples and came into the region of Dalmantua. The Pharisees came out and began to question him, seeking him seeking from him a sign of heaven, and testing him. He sighed deeply in his spirit, and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Most certainly I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. He left them, and again entering into the boat, departed to the other side. They forgot to take bread, and they didn't have more than one loaf in the boat with them. He warned them, saying, Take heed, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. They reasoned with one another, saying, It's because we have no bread. Jesus, perceiving it, said to them, Why do you reason that it's because you have no bread? Don't you perceive yet, neither understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, don't you see? Having ears, don't you hear? Don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves among the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They told him, Twelve. When the seven loaves fed four thousand, how many baskets of full broken pieces did you take up? They told him, Seven. He asked them, Don't you understand yet? He came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took hold of the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village. When he had spat on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. He looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking. Then again he laid his hands on his eyes. He looked intently and was restored, and saw everyone clearly. He sent him away to his house, saying, Don't enter into the village, nor tell anyone 
in the village. Jesus went out with his disciples into the villages of Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? They told him, John the baptizer, and others say, Elijah, but others, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. He commanded them that they should tell no one about him. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke to them openly. Peter took him and began to rebuke him, but he, turning around and seeing his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you have in mind not the things of God, but the things of men. He called the multitude to himself with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake and the sake of the good news will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what will a man give in exchange for his life? For whoever will be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the Holy Spirit. I hope that this story, this gloriously beautiful story, is resonating with you as deeply as it resonates with me. There was an album that my mother brought me on cassette when I was a little boy by the gospel artist Vanessa Bell Armstrong. The title of the album was called Desire of My Heart, but I reflect upon track five of the album on a song called Never Alone. The lyrics say, you don't know the half of it, nor would you believe what God has done for me. Today, I stand before you a living testimony. This last trial looked like it was going to take me out of here. I wanted to give up. But if it had not been for your grace and mercy, I have that blessed assurance that you'd never, ever leave me alone. You don't know the half of it, and don't go by what you see. For looks can be deceiving, and if you take a really good look, you would see that God has been really good to me. Mm. The song says, the devil thought he had me, and I wanted to give up. 
And there were times when I couldn't pray for my own self. I had almost missed out on my promise, but I hung in there. I didn't give up. I didn't give out. I didn't give in. And now all I can say is thank you. Because God has never left me alone. Truth be told, as we reflect upon the eighth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Mark and the lyrics in which I have presented to you, we can reflect upon our lives on this Thanksgiving Day and realize two very important things, which are the subject of my reflection on today. Blessed and thankful. Truth be told, the question to be asked is, do we really know how blessed we are? And do we have an indication of how thankful we ought to be? Before I begin to expound upon the earlier portion of this story, I return to verse 22, where Jesus and the disciples had come to Bethsaida. And they, the disciples, had brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. And Jesus, with using his own spit and the dirt of the earth, placed it upon the sockets of this blind man's eyes. And he went from seeing nothing to seeing men like trees walking, and then to see intently with restored sight and vision, and to see everyone clearly. In reflecting upon your life on today, there was a time where you were blind, maybe not necessarily physically blind, but you were spiritually blind, emotionally blind. Your focus was of such tunnel vision that you didn't see how your behaviors affected others around you. You lacked a great deal of awareness about what you say and what you do affects other people. And now you've taken out time to work on yourself and improve yourself, to make yourself aware. And you did it with God's help. And you didn't just go from not seeing anything at all to seeing perfectly clearly. There was that point in the middle where upon that first application of spit and dirt, you saw something. Because you began to grow and evolve and you began to have these eureka moments and these new discoveries about you and how you relate to yourself and how you relate to other people and how you relate to God. You are better now than you were then because you did the work to make it possible. Because opportunities came into your life to bring you from down at the lobby to the top floor of the skyscraper. And you stepped out on faith and believed that all good things are possible to those that believe. 
And on this Thanksgiving Day, you have something to be thankful for. Because you could still be stuck where you were. But you have been elevated to higher heights. My prayer for you today is that you take stock of how blessed you are. In returning now to the beginning of this beautiful story, where Jesus had called the disciples at the exposition of this eighth chapter to gather food for this great multitude of people in which, into which Jesus was ministering. Jesus was a man who was both human and divine. And what I appreciate most about this passage is that he stopped preaching. He stopped teaching to consider these physical needs of all these people. I mean, we'd all like to think that Jesus knew who all these people were, but it's very possible that he didn't know who they were. That they heard his message and they wanted to hear for themselves. So they came from far and wide. And they listened to him for three days. Preach and teach, and they were fasting and praying believing in what they were being taught, in what they were being fed spiritually. And he had compassion for this multitude of people. And in your life today, somebody takes out the time not only to just pray for you, but to make provision for you. Oftentimes, when you least expect it, and even maybe you're not even looking for it, but God knows your every need. Someone somewhere thinks about you to give you that money you need, that food you need, those clothes you need, those supplies you need, whatever that, whatever those things are. God makes an angel out of any one of us at any moment when we're willing to be one. And it's in those moments we should pause and consider how blessed we are, and how thankful we ought to be. There's an old song that says, Somebody prayed for me and had me on their mind. But Jesus took it one step further. He didn't just pray, he didn't just preach. He made provision. He saw to it to provide for the general welfare of these people that listened to his every word. And they took seven loaves and they had these few small fish. And it's amazing how little is much when God is in it. And Jesus took this bread and this fish and he asked his heavenly Father to bless it. He asked God to bless it and to multiply it. And those seven loaves and those few fish became twelve baskets that fed nearly five thousand. And when everyone was all said and done eating, there were seven baskets left after everyone had eaten their fill. I appreciate in this story Jesus' intention 
that it wasn't, oh, what are we going to do, out of a state of panic or scarcity. It was, I care so deeply about these people that I want to make sure that they have sustenance. And in our approach to looking after people, looking after uh, others and taking care of others. What is our perspective? Are we saying, oh, well, I have to go cook dinner. And we have a humdrum attitude about it. Or do we have the intention of compassion for ourselves and for others to say that I care about you and your well-being to such a point that I want to ensure that you're eating a healthy, well-balanced meal, prepared with thought and care and love. Even with, which, even with the intention in which maybe we even purchase, purchase food for takeout. Consider what Jesus was teaching us in this moment of how we go about doing for other people. And as we step into this holiday season, don't just do because everybody else is doing. When you know how blessed you are and how thankful you ought to be, you do because you want others to do as well as you are because you believe that you want others to prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. That means if you're eating well, you want others to eat well. If you're blessed to have clean water, you want to make sure other people around you are drinking clean water. If you have nice clothes to wear, you want people around you to wear nice clothes. If you're cooking a hot meal, and there's someone around you who's hungry, hey, you feed them. You make sure they enjoy a hot meal too. The truth is we cannot live in the world by ourselves. And we must consider that the overflow that we have, someone needs to receive it so that they can fill their cup and bless other people. What amazes me here as we go into this story is the lack of faith that so many people choose to stay in. For example, the Pharisees. They wanted to see a sign. They wanted clear-cut evidence. And you know, as someone who prescribes to the teachings of Jesus Christ, but not necessarily to the religious standards or the religiosity of Christianity. I always believe that the way in which I live my life and the way in which I speak to people and the way in which I care for people the way in which I do should speak for what I believe in and for what I think and for how I, Tashin, am in the world and to others in the world. Because we are known by the fruit in which we bear. Jesus was doing great things. And to the Pharisees, it wasn't satisfactory that he was doing these great things and working these great miracles. They wanted proof of who he is and why he's doing what he's doing. And it was completely disregarded that he was healing people, feeding people, caring for people promoting justice, 
showing love and care and compassion at every turn. And sometimes, when you choose to make that change to live in love and to walk with God, people forget that you're human. And in your humanity, people want to counteract that and play devil's advocate and say, well, I thought you were a Christian. And the truth is, if people knew what you used to do and what you used to say and how you used to respond, they too would consider how blessed they are and how thankful they ought to be that the reaction they're getting in present day from someone who chooses to walk in love and walk with God because it could be very different. Praise the Lord, everybody. Jesus, in his discontent with the pharisaical nature of the Pharisees, says, why does this generation seek a sign? And he asked the question in a rhetorical, esoteric manner because he was the sign. He was doing the things. When, when we say, I want to live in such a way where God can use me anywhere at any time, we condition ourselves oftentimes to a box in which God does things and God uses people and God acts upon God's children. And when we stay in a bubble about God's abilities, we limit in our own mind and in our own selves, we create a construct of what God can do. And we base it upon what we think, how we think, what we believe. See, I believe that God can do a good thing at any time because I am good. There's someone who says divine powers are always working because we are always doing good. And I believe that. I believe that God and the angels and my ancestors who have gone on before me and they're chilling in the celestials, all the stuff that I'm getting from them, they're doing all the time because I believe that I am always doing good. And when I believe that, I subconsciously am programming myself to do good, to be kind, to be more patient, to be more understanding, to deepen my foundation in love, to root and ground myself, yes, in truth and honesty, but it comes with love, love for myself. And that's what you should want for yourself, too. When you realized how blessed and how thankful you are and where you ought to be, you care about yourself. You care about how you do things in the world. Because you get to a point where you believe that there are two ways of things being done, right? Or not at all. And Jesus believed that. He never did anything half-heartedly. And let's be honest here. If you're seeking a sign for God to do something in your life, are you allowing your life to be used in such a way where God can do things? We must keep in mind that in order for God to bless us, we must make ourselves available to be blessed. 
And I don't know what instructions God has given you to make yourself available to be blessed. But whatever those things are, you need to get to doing them. Because that's imperative. In order to be blessed, you must make yourself available to receive blessings. And as you receive them, you are, you are to offer gratitude for what has been given to you. And it becomes a cycle because the more you are grateful, the more you are given things to be thankful for. And it gets to the place then where the windows of heaven are just open. And the blessings just pour. And truth will come to realize that the construct of time will never be enough for you to explain how thankful you are for all that you have. And now after the blessing of this multitude being fed, and after Jesus going out and being a blessing to this blind man at Bethsaida. He then turns and becomes a blessing to the disciples. And he teaches them in an intimate way about what it really means to walk with God. He asked them, don't you understand, in between those two events? And it's in the conclusion of this story that he helps them understand. He asked them the question, who do men say that I am? The disciples say, some say John the baptizer, some say Elijah, but others say one of the prophets. But who do you say I am, is his response to them. Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. And he began teaching them about what the Christ has to suffer. When we choose to live in a realm of Christ consciousness, Some of the things that we see that Jesus experiences later on in his life, what he teaches the disciples in the conclusion of this story about the suffering, the rejection, about being killed, and ultimately about the resurrection. It is a process that we almost go through too. It's part of spiritual evolution. Because God blesses us. And we say we ain't going to tell nobody. But we can't keep it to ourselves. And then we tell it. And the story of how it happens is so unbelievable. That people will cast you out. And cast you away. As a liar and a cheater. Because that's what happened to the man of Bethsaida, whose sight was restored. Jesus told him, don't, don't go into the village, don't tell people. But let's be real here. Have you been blessed? In a way that cannot be explained other than, God did it. If you told the story to people, even to people that say they believe in love and they believe in the goodness of all good things happening to all of God's children, they still wouldn't believe you. And there are some who live in that realm and they have some evolution to, to process. But in choosing to walk in Christ consciousness, when Jesus says here in the 34th verse, 
Whoever wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Well, oneself oftentimes is rooted in this third dimensional experience of fear. We must cast away our fears and our doubts. We must cast away all of the things that are the byproducts of fear. Hatred and enmity and self-loathing and poor self-esteem. Because self-love and self-care are praise to God. When we take care of ourselves, when we, when we take care of our bodies, we take care of our homes, and we look after one another and we care for one another, that's offering praise to God. When you care about being a willing vessel of love, and you come to God, you come to the universe and you say, what must I do and what shall I do to be of good service? The first instruction God will always give is to you, for what you should do, for yourself. Do those things. And, and sometimes God isn't going to ask you to do lofty things. Sometimes God is just going to tell you, get up and take a shower and brush your teeth and put on clean clothes. Sometimes God is going to tell you, go clean your room. You might be a college student listening to me and God is like, hey, go do your homework. You may have a job you don't like, but you know you need to pay the bills and God is like, hey, go to work. Whatever those self-care things you need to do, do them. It's in that moment you should realize that you're blessed to know that you can hear God's voice. That God cares so much about you to take out time to speak to you individually about the things you should be doing for yourself. And then when you're doing those things, then you receive instruction of an expansive nature on how to help and be a blessing to other people. See, when we understand how deeply blessed we are and how thankful we ought to be, we make ourselves, like Jesus did, a willing vessel to receive God's blessing. He would have never fed as many people as he did if he never took what he had and asked God to bless it. He didn't just ask God to bless the bread and the fish. He was also asking God to bless himself. He didn't just heal a man from being blind to prove a point alone. He healed the man because he saw his existential plight of despair. And gave that man something that Jesus already had within himself because he had decided To be a blessing. He taught those disciples what it meant to really walk with God because he was experiencing it firsthand. The names he was being called, the ways he was being called out, the difficulties and frustrations he received from other parts of society. He taught them to say, you're going to face that too. And you are, we are, as human beings who are living a spiritual life, 
there are people who will never think you are qualified because of what you did or what you said or who you love or what you believe. And then you realize that God can use whomever he pleases. And God chooses to use you. For the doors that God opens, no one can shut. For the blessings that God bestows, no one can take away. I want you to know today, for sure and certain, that there's so many things to be thankful for. And that before you could feed others and heal others and help others, know that your first order of business is to do that for yourself. Jesus did all the things that he could do because he made himself available to God. This whole story that I've read for you today from Mark chapter 8 never would have happened if he hadn't made himself available. And I ask you today, have you made yourself available to God? Made yourself available to love, to have hope, to deepen your faith, to place your trust in God? Are you willing to make your life one of light that shines from heaven above to help and to heal and to teach and to share about the simple truth of the love of God. See, to be blessed and thankful means that you've already done that that you make yourself available or you have made yourself available and you understand the cycle of your availability to God pouring out his blessings to taking your abundance and sharing it with the multitude and helping others who are downtrodden and they have less than you and they don't know how to pick themselves up from the existential plight in which they find themselves. That is the story we've read today. That is what we can do when we believe. Do you really know how blessed you are? If you really do, then consider how thankful you ought to be. I hope that reflection was as much a blessing to you as it was to me. As always, all the information you need to know about how to reach out to me and to learn more about me and about Spiritual Sunday and our community um, is listed on the page in which you're watching. We're going to close in prayer together. So wherever you are and in whatever way that is most comfortable for you, let us pray. Gracious God, I appreciate you. 
I appreciate this lesson in which you have shared with us on today. Having learned so much more, we make our lives available to be willing vessels, to be conduits of love and light and joy and peace and abundance. We commit ourselves to examining our realities, our frailties, our traumas, our trespasses, our shortcomings, so that we might be made better, better, not bitter, better, better so that we can be of greater service to ourselves, better so that we can give to others who don't have the resources or the ability in which to find what we have found. Because we know how blessed we are and how thankful we ought to be. We thank thee, O oh God, for this time and space in you on this Thanksgiving day. To have met you in a deeper way on today. We appreciate you. And now as we go forth to celebrate this day, let us make ourselves available to be used as a blessing by God for ourselves and for others wherever we are no matter what time it may be may we choose to do that every day not just on Thanksgiving Day this is our prayer Thank you, God, in us, as us, around us, through us, through the Christ within, and so it is. Amen. Well, friends, I'm glad we were able to spend a little bit of time together. I wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. And I welcome you into this holiday season with love, joy, and peace. I'll see you on Sunday. I love you. God does too. And until we meet again, grace and gratitude. Take care.